welcome to another episode of Not D&D, uh, which is brought to you by EM Worldcart Live, which is part of EM World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I almost tripped over my words there as your host, Jessica, because uh, I'm very excited to have our guest with us this week of Mars Diaz-Truman uh, from Magpie Games. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, great to be here. Thanks. Um, I'm so excited to have you on because um, for Magpie Games, lots of people will have heard of the games you do. So we've got Avatar Legends, we've got Root, we've got Bluebeard's Bride. So we've got all sorts of fantastic games people may have heard of. And this week, we're going to focus on talking about Urban Shadows uh, as well, uh, the second edition that's coming out. Um, so the main part of the talk we're going to be have is about that. So if you're watching live, please put your questions in the comments. And we'll try and answer them if we have the answers to those questions. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, any links to what we're talking about will be in the show notes. Um, so, Mark, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your background with role-playing games. Obviously, very impressive catalogue of games you've worked on. Um, but the question I always ask people is, what was the first game that you remember playing? Oh, not the first game I remember playing. I mean, it's probably D&D. Like, I think... I think there's like probably a, I'm like 10 years too old to have had something more interesting be my first game. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember playing D&D &D with like my Boy Scout troop when we were like 12. We'd like all wow. sleep over at each other's houses and our parents were probably happy we weren't like out doing drugs and lighting things on fire. So they were happy <laughs> that we were up all night drinking Mountain Dew and playing D&D. &D. Yeah, we know where they are. They're safe. They're playing some sort of board game, I think. I don't really exactly. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd, <laughs> we'd come home all bleary-eyed and like we didn't sleep all night and they were happy to have us sleep for the rest of the day. That's fine. No problem. Amazing. That's perfect. Well, yeah, any parents out there watching now might be like, hey, I need to get my kid into role-playing games for exactly. sure. It sounds like a great tactic. Um, so started with D&D &D as was, because it was the, the big thing at the time, but obviously the industry has grown and got so much more diverse. Yeah. Um, when did you start um, kind of exploring indie different games and or, or when did you start like designing games? Yeah, I mean, so the irony is when you, you asked about what we used to play, I mean, we actually like, like many kids, I'm probably sure, like we designed some of our own stuff. We're like, what if it was like D&D, &D, but like in the future, right? Or something mm -hmm. where we would basically just take D&D &D and then of course make it in the future without any thought about what might be required for a different mm -hmm. kind of story. Um, but no, it was really like, like I, I played D, D for most of high school or like middle school and then in mm -hmm. high school i had these older friends in the drama department at theater nerds who played awesome world of people. darkness games and so yeah. like i was like the the sophomore that they they were okay hanging out with when they were all cool in my mind very cool yeah, yeah, yeah right um and wow. that was where i first got exposed to stuff like mage and um like vampire and like darker more adult mm -hmm. games um but it wasn't until like years and years later i actually ran a bunch of world of darkness larps where like oh, people yeah. would come and play vampires and stuff which is great until it turns toxic like it's great for the first three weeks of any larp and then people yeah. get weird out of well, it's just like, politics or politics right so people play yeah. them out of character and in character so it's okay, it can so. be really really uh, challenging. I have, I have heard that about that LARP scene, but I've not experienced it myself. But yeah, I will believe you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so like I was, I was kind of fed up with like, I don't know, like a lot of nitpicking around the rules, not a lot of thoughtfulness around like, what kind of stories are we telling? That's not really the framework that people have mm -hmm. when they LARP, right? They're, yeah. they're telling their part of the story. They're not really invested mm -hmm. in like the bigger story. Sure. So a friend of mine, uh, Jess Hennig, who actually wrote for some World of Darkness stuff, like I didn't really understand mm -hmm. at the time that Jess had like, 
was like the systems lead for like Mage, the Ascension, second edition or whatever. <laughs> but he was like, you should check out this guy, John Wick, in his games. And so I played Houses of the Blooded, which is like mm-hmm. probably my first indie game, um, which is one of John's titles that he did on his own, like after 7th C and, and his work mm-hmm. at AG. Um, and it, it had things like, which it seems so silly now, but at the time it was like mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, stats that described your like your your beauty and yeah. your your like your cleverness, right? Not not stats that were like literally just representations of you as a physical being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of your stats had to be a weakness, meaning like you were you had you had a mm-hmm. zero in that stat. If you ever yeah. competed with that stat, you just lost. So it's sort of mm-hmm. like in the Princess Bride, like Vizzini can never beat Fezzik in a fight. It doesn't matter how well he rolls. Mm-hmm. His his strength is zero, but Fezzik's cleverness is zero too. Like he can never yeah. outsmart Vizzini in any circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this for me, just like as like 25-year-old Mark was just like the most mind blow. Like I was like, I didn't <laughs> know role-playing games could do this, right? Yeah. Um, and so I just fell down this rabbit hole of just trying all these different fiasco, right? Or mm-hmm. um, And then eventually Apocalypse World played in an apocalypse world game a, a year or two after it came out at gen con and was like whoa like i mean like whoa i don't even know if i like this like what this is so different but that whole journey started with house of the blood amazing so powered by the apocalypse brings us on uh really nicely to urban shadows um obviously uh which is is a uh, kind of kind of using that sort of system um if people haven't heard this is the second edition we're going to be talking about but yeah. if people haven't heard of urban shadows at all how would you introduce them to, to this game yeah so urban shadows is is ironically because we're talking world of darkness it's kind of my love letter mm-hmm. to every urban fantasy game mm-hmm. you've ever played as a as a role player um mm-hmm. and unlike a lot of other urban fantasy games it's one in which you uh can play sort of any different type of creeps, not all vampires or all werewolves or whatever. It's mm-hmm. really about a city filled with different factions, different viewpoints and communities that kind of come into conflict with each other. So sure. you might be from the faction of knights, like the vampires and the werewolves who care about like, mm-hmm. like blood and money and sex and drugs and territory. So like really rooted in like the here and now, or mm-hmm. you might be from power, like the wizards and the oracles who kind of see the world through the lens of how it will be shaped over decades and centuries. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might be from wild who are like the fairies and the, the demons, like they're from outside this reality and they've come here and they have one foot here and one foot in this other place. Or you might be Mortalis, which is the faction of people who um, they're like caught between worlds. Like they're the mm-hmm. hunters, the 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 people who like you know make money selling supernatural objects back in sure. the mortal world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, it's not a game in which you're kind of all on the same team. It's a mm-hmm. game more like The Wire, where like your stories kind of intersect and connect as you explore your character's perspective on that power struggle. Amazing. Someone in the chat said it reminds me a bit of like Dresdenish. So that seems sure. very the vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dresden, American Gods, um, very much those kinds of, uh, it's not underworld. It's not like, you know, everybody's wearing leather and shoot. I mean, I guess you could play it that way if you, you could. Want. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the main driver of the game is this mechanic mm-hmm. called debt, in which mm-hmm. case you owe people and they owe you. And in okay. this game, when you actually say, hey, you know, Jessica, I did you a real solid the other day when I got your brother off your case. I need you to do this for me. That's actually a game mechanic in which your character is pressured to kind of play along because you owe, right? And that whole sense of owing people and them owing you is like the foundational currency of a world in which, I don't know, wizards can just make money from nothing. So the only thing that matters is who you owe and who owes you. 
Amazing. So that's kind of like the, the setting, but let's let's get into the mechanics a little bit because you kind sure. of talked about that. So it's quite, from what I understand, it's quite like simple mechanics. It's not going to take you, if you've not played it before, it's not going to take you hours to learn what's going on. So it's, from my understanding, it's kind of a 2D6 system and right. then you have your stats that kind of affect the outcome of that role. Yeah, that yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. You have you have four stats in the game, um, mm -hmm. blood, heart, mind, and spirit. So pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Each one of them describes not like blood is not like your physical, everything about you physically in one stat. It's more your position in the fiction, right? So a high mm -hmm. blood character is somebody who can use violence and crash through walls and do cool things. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, like the rock in Fast and the Furious, right? He's just like, sure. he's, it's impossible <laughs> to stop, right? But somebody who's high mind is mm -hmm. tricky and can see things others can't see. Uh, and, you know, Dres is probably a high mind character right mm -hmm. he's able to like kind of piece together evidence and, and figure out what's going on um mm -hmm. but he might also be a high spirit character because spirit influences mm -hmm. like your supernatural abilities your ability to keep cool under pressure right so so you have these stats that are designed not to show not to like literally say oh i'm seven points strong or eight points strong but sure, to instead yeah. give you a position when you roll the dice mm -hmm. either that position is strong like i have a plus two a plus three mm -hmm. or it's weak i have a minus one minus two right and mm -hmm. those when you roll the dice the relationship is a little different uh you're rolling mm -hmm. 2d6 like you said um mm -hmm. But you're doing so to do a move and a move mm -hmm. is not like a skill check a move is a bit of narrative like like uncertainty so the most mm -hmm. the most simple one is when you turn to violence you roll with blood mm -hmm. and what happens is that when you roll if you get a seven or higher that's called a mm -hmm. hit so if you're rolling with a plus three you can tell like 2d6 plus three all you gotta do is get to a seven that's like no problem right yeah, yeah, but if yeah. you're if you're rolling with a minus two, it's like, oh, uh-oh, that's like really hard to get to a seven. But a mm -hmm. seven is a hit, and that means that you kind of get some of what you want. But you might mm -hmm. not get all of what you want. You might have to make some ch some choices or have some compromises. If it's under a seven, if it's a six or less, it's a miss, not a mm -hmm. failure. A miss means that I, the GM, or whoever's the GM, will tell mm -hmm. you what happens. So, for example, you can say, okay, this werewolf's coming towards me. Great. I, I pull out my machine gun, and I just, like, spray bullets at him. And I'm like, great, <laughs> cool, roll. And you just roll snake eyes. I'm like, yeah, sorry. Even though you have a plus three, this is only a five, so it's a miss. And I'll say, like, you shoot the werewolf, like, like your bullets just rip through him. Like, like you're so cool, right? Like, you know how to shoot a gun. I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from you. But mm -hmm. as the werewolf stumbles and falls over you realize as he shifts back into a human form, that's your brother. Like you didn't know that it was your brother until this moment, but the miss means that the story is going to twist and turn in interesting mm -hmm. ways, which means there's really two things that happen in the game. Either the narrative moves forward because yeah. you chose to move it forward or it twists and turns because the GM finds an interesting thing to play up and go with in that moment. That's so interesting. I, I I love that. The only thing about this system, I'm I'm kind of new to. I've been role playing for like 15 years, but new to GMing. I'm that awful person everyone hates. That's no, never that's great. GM. Congrats, but, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so I know, excited. I'm trying, but that's like, great. The only thing about these kind of systems for me sometimes, um, how, what advice do you give to GMs for creating those twists and turns in a story? Because yeah. a lot of it's on the fly and being reactive, which can seem kind of intimidating. Sure, sure. So the first thing is like. Urban Shadows 1, one of the reasons we did a new edition is because we've learned a lot about building these games and I had a lot mm -hmm. of new ideas we wanted to bring to it. But I'll tell you, one of the pieces that I think is really strong about, about Urban Shadows in general mm -hmm. is that it has a very detailed and inclusive GM chapter. So like Amazing. the whole GM chapter is not this kind of like, just do a good job, be interesting, <laughs> write a good story, do voices. Yeah. Like it's instead like, okay, okay, let's talk about what mm -hmm. your goals are here. 
And those mm -hmm. goals can be kind of broken down into some rules you should follow. So for example, one of the rules you should follow as a GM when you do Urban Shadows, not every game, but Urban Shadows, mm -hmm. is to be a fan of the player's characters. Which means that so, one of your rules should be never just embarrass them to embarrass them. Always mm -hmm. give them stuff that makes you feel like they're they're the main character on a TV show you love, right? Like you're mm -hmm. you want to see that, but you want to see like I always think about John Wick, right? Like the movie, right? Yeah. Like I want to see John kill people, so mm -hmm. I need him to be in a bad spot. Like being a mm -hmm. fan of John Wick is not just giving John a nice life and with nothing bad happens. Like I sure. I have to make him miserable, but like. <laughs> he wants to like the yeah. character want like that's the whole point. Like, so being a yeah. fan is not simple, but it's an orienting principle that will tell you if the mm -hmm. werewolf just grabs the hunter, say it's the hunter that's playing with us, and throws sure. them into a wall, and you're like, "Yep, he totally gets you." It's like, is that is that really being a fan of the hunter? But what if the werewolf grabs the hunter, slams him up against the wall, and like you're like, "Oh, like like you know, venom is dripping from his mouth," and you're like, "What do you do, hunter?" Now the hunter's like, "Oh man." Yeah, like this is my moment, right? That's what mm -hmm. you want to give them. And we break that down into moves for the GM too. So for okay. example, you might have a move like put someone in a spot or inflict harm or uh, claim a debt. So you might say, for example, what if somebody else steps out and deals with the werewolf for you, but now you owe that person because they saved your life. Uh, okay. So you as a GM can look down your menu of moves and it's not mm -hmm. like it's not like you hit a button and it goes, you still have to like- sure do it yeah. right but if you're ever stuck you're like fuck i don't know what to do oh hey look turn your turn your players weaknesses back against them cool like i'm going to do this thing about the mortal being human i'm going to like break mm -hmm. his leg or something and now <laughs> and now it's like hey you're yeah. not a werewolf right you're not a vampire you're an ordinary mm -hmm. guy what do you do and the the like maybe the player would love that because yeah because it's a reminder that they it's like a reaffirmation of their character, like I see you, I'm reinforcing your character. I'm being a fan of you as a player yeah. and as a character. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah, I know that makes re that's really good advice. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so it's good to know that there's that guidance for GMs um, in 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 the books as well. So that's there for people like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but talking a little bit about players, so maybe you you convinced your your GM to run this for you, and you're going to yeah. kind of be a player in this what sort of characters are you going to be playing? So we've, we've kind of talked a bit about the world and you've got your four stats, but, um, you know, if we could talk about how do you create a character and, and the archetypes that you give? Yeah, so the way that a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games work, and it's not all of them, right? Like not mm -hmm. every Powered by the Apocalypse game has dice. We actually sell some that don't use dice. They use tokens. Not every Powered sure. by the Apocalypse game has playbooks, but this one does. And a playbook mm -hmm. is sort of like, an archetype with a story attached to it. So it's not just like a class. It's not like, oh, you're a fighter. It's like you are the hunter, right? And as the hunter, mm -hmm. you're a mortal who's taken on this obligation to protect other mortals from the supernatural world. And sure. as a result of that, you're going to make some choices about who you're protecting people from. Is mm -hmm. it vampires? Is it evil wizards? Is it angels? Like one of the choices on the playbook is angels, okay. right? So it's okay. not just leaving you, Jessica, like Jessica, think of something really cool, like really, really mm -hmm. cool, like no pressure, just like really, really cool thing for you to be hunting. You get to look down the list and be like, oh man, mm -hmm. angels, that's fucking hot. Let's do that. And then you and I, as your GM and player would build mm -hmm. on that answer. Be like, why do you hunt angels? What is that about? Like, is your family, is that something for your family? Where's it come from? And mm -hmm. we would build out together almost like a tree sprouting from that seed, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of cool fiction that would then inform our game, right? Yeah. But the secret sauce of playbooks is that they're actually kind of like, they're pointed in a certain direction. So the hunter, for mm -hmm. example, 
they like they're not well anybody who decides to basically <laughs> be batman is like not probably in the right mind right sure yeah yeah <laughs> so what happens is that the hunters kind of locked in this struggle where like they they're good at mm-hmm. violence but maybe violence doesn't solve that many problems and so mm-hmm. over the arc of your character you're going to have to decide as the hunter how you're going to deal with that violence um, mm-hmm. Sometimes that's in really obvious ways, like I've given you a bunch of violence moves, and then the MC is going to complicate what happens when you do violence. But sometimes it's really subtle, like all the other all playbooks have ways mm-hmm. to advance, like maybe you get a new move, or you get a new ability, or you get a new stat bonus, or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the advancements you can take in the game is to retire to safety. It's basically mm-hmm. to say, I think I'm done with this character. Like I. I would like sure. to retire, and I don't want my character to have to die to have a story mm-hmm. be done. So you retire to safety. The mm-hmm. hunter cannot do that. It's not an option for them, which means the hunter's story is at some level about whether they change and decide to become a new playbook, a new, like take mm-hmm. a new path in their life or die. These are the two options that they it's, have. Yeah. Right. And so playbooks are interesting in that they're like little arrows that are sort of drawn back and fired in a direction. But because mm-hmm. we have tables of four or five people, they're not no two hunters will ever be the same because they're going to be pulled in different directions by the wizard Mm -hmm. and the vampire and the fairy that are all at the same table doing their own thing and pulling in their own direction. Amazing. That sounds so cool. I mean, I know a lot of people are familiar with Urban Shadows that kind of the first edition are looking for the second edition because you have two kind of brand new playbooks of uh, Sworn and the Imp. Could you talk a little bit about those? Oh my God, yes. I was so excited. (laughs) Like like, one of the things that like I really, so Sorry. You made me really excited. So I lost my train of thought for a second. I love so, it. I love the uh, excitement. Yeah. Good, good, good. So so part of the whole secret of Urban Shadows is like, you know, we talk about like we get to draw on a much broader set of mm-hmm. influences than say like a regular urban fantasy game. Because sure. we're not just talking about vampires. Like mm-hmm. the wire is a big influence, as is John Wick, yeah. right? Like these are two things mm-hmm. I mentioned because they kind of yeah. get at like cities and people who live in cities and how yes. they come into conflict yeah. with each other. So one of the things that really bummed me out about first edition as we played Mm -hmm. it and did more things with it is that like, there's nobody who's having to struggle with being like an enforcer or like, like a Mm -hmm. cop in some ways. Right. And so if you watch a movie like training day, right, you have Mm -hmm. these, like this idea of like being a cop means filling a particular role in the ecosystem of a city. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, so the sworn is, I mean, they're kind of a wizard cop. Like they've sworn (laughs) an allegiance to a very powerful, faction of wizards mm-hmm. uh or someone like wizards oracles immortals whatever and their job is to be the agent of that faction in right. the world right okay and they've been given uh like a like a truly mad like a like a weapon a legendary weapon like mm-hmm. excalibur or okay. thor's hammer or okay. like something really really amazing yeah, but it's yeah. tied to them following the rules of this faction. Okay, yeah. Um, This is a playbook, like, I don't think I would have been able to write, like, before. Like, I think the idea was there, but we couldn't figure out how to to manage it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it ends up being a really interesting way of watching people sort of contend with their obligations. Like, what what are you willing to do for these people you've sworn an oath to? What if you don't even like them? How far (laughs) are you willing to go? And like the hunter, there's some stuff around advancement where Mm -hmm. as the sworn breaks the rules, it becomes easier to break the rules. And so you're sort of tempted to Mm -hmm. like, once you've gone rogue, like, Become like, a dirty cop type that's thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're like, maybe you don't believe in the system anymore. And it's your job to like, you know, go do what's right yeah. instead of what you're being asked to do by the people who run the city. Um, the mm-hmm. imp is the same. I'm always bummed that we didn't have sort of the 
the immigrant business owner playbook, like someone who like has come mm-hmm. to the city to make a better life for themselves and they found some way to like anchor themselves here. So like Lauren mm-hmm. from Angel, right? It's a great example. Um, yeah. Or Papa Midnight from Constantine, right? Like these people who yeah. they fill a role in the community and the mm-hmm. imp lets us do that, like gives us the space. And we actually had some really interesting discussions. We originally announced the imp as the goblin because mm-hmm. that's, that's often like goblin markets and stuff like that. Sure. But one of the challenges of developing Urban Shadows is that uh, there's a lot of stuff like race and gender and stuff mm-hmm. baked in, and goblins are really can be a really anti-Semitic archetype. And so sure. we actually yeah. uh, worked with some Jewish designers that I've worked with before, and we sort of had a meeting and talked, like, is there any way for us to make this work? Like, like it's a really unfortunate stereotype. Can we kind of redeem it? Like, like for example, mm-hmm. for me as a Latino, werewolves are often kind of cast as people of color, like Mm-hmm. Like like Jacob in Twilight, right? Like yeah, Edward's wife. That was yeah, yeah. Right. So like he's kind of swarthy and dark and like tribal, right? And yeah, yet at yeah. the same time, I fucking love werewolves. So like like I'm kind of torn if that makes sense. Yeah, between, yeah, yeah. Like Jacob's kind of cool. So like, what mm-hmm. do I do with that feeling? I was like, well, maybe mm-hmm. we can kind of do that with the goblin. But the more we talked about it, they were like, this is just really loaded and so Mm -hmm. we sat down and said well what else could we do instead and what we came up with was this idea that you're a demon like lorne from angel who's kind of gotten out of your service you Mm -hmm. found a way to like a loophole in your contract and now you own this bar or run this business and as long as you run it your loophole is intact right Mm -hmm. and so it took us to some of the same spaces where we have this person who's not from here who Mm -hmm. has a business that like means everything to them yeah. but isn't sort of caught up in some of the stereotypes that we'd like to be able to to protect players. They don't have to, like I'm yeah. playing a goblin, but but like not a stereotype. Like they get to play a demon in a really exciting mm-hmm. way. That's really cool. I love that. I love that about it. So so there are two brand new playbooks for second edition, which is, is so great to hear. Um, another new thing I wanted to talk about is you talk a bit, um, when I was doing my research on it, is the city is its own character and you've introduced city hubs in the second edition. Um Tell us about City Hubs, please. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So one of the things we found in first edition that that could happen is that if players created characters who were like kind of too far away from each other, that they would have really interesting stories, but they wouldn't actually do that much, spend that much time together. So if sure. you watch The Wire, you know that Mayor Carcetti and, you know, uh, I don't know, like one of the cops or, or like, you know, mm-hmm. one of the corner boys, right? Like, like, or, or Stringer, right? Like one of the major drug dealers, like right. these two characters are like huge anchor points for the story. Like so much revolves around them, mm-hmm. but they never talk. They never come into mm-hmm. conflict with each other. They never actually share any screen time. And if they do, it's like an ironic, like they run into each other at the movie theater and neither one of them really knows who the other is. Right. Yeah. Sure. So what we wanted to do was, was ask, well, why, what is it about some games that bring people into contact with each other over and over? And mm-hmm. what is it about some games that lets people kind of wander off into the darkness? So mm-hmm. what we came up with is this idea called a holding environment, which if you look at something like masks, which is our teen superhero game, sure. you all have to be on the same team, which means that when my character and your character get in a big fight and I storm off, like mm-hmm. I'm going to come back, right? Like, like Robin and Superboy can have a big fight, but eventually Robin's going to come back and say, he's sorry. Sure. Right? And that anchor point of like this this bubble that everybody rolls around in and bounces around in is really important, right? And mm-hmm. for something like D&D, um, it can be that we've all agreed mm-hmm. to play on the same team, right? So the paladin sure. and the thief can yell at each other, but they don't know it's all kind of for fun. 
Yeah. The problem with urban shadows is it's not for fun. Like, yeah, it's serious. <laughs> right, yeah. like, like the vampire <laughs> yeah. and the werewolf yeah. are at odds with you. Like they really are at odds. Like the vampire murdered the werewolf's sister, and yet somehow they have to work together. But yeah. but but like how do we? So what we realized is that we need a slightly tighter holding environment, and that means right. kind of reducing the city, which is just a little bit too big, down mm-hmm. to one district or arena or area, and making sure that all the characters have lots of reasons to be there. It doesn't okay. mean that's the only place the game happens. It's just that's mm-hmm. the anchor point. So yeah. so if we're doing, like, say, the Arts District, right? Like, the yeah. fairy's like, great, I own a gallery. Done. Cool. And the wizard's like, oh, I don't really want to live in the Arts District, but how about I come here all the time because I buy magical spell ingredients from this shop that's here in this part of town. And right, now right. the fairy and the wizard can have a relationship that makes sense. They can run into each other all the time. Mm-hmm. They can participate with each other. And once you lay that groundwork, then the story can go wherever because mm-hmm. there's always a reason to come back together because you're, because you live or work or play in this neighborhood. I love that. So yeah, it gives people a reason to kind of be together and things like that with, um with forming parties and groups, what sort of guidance do you give to players? Like you say, you can have all these different characters that seemingly wouldn't work together. How do you, how do you assemble a team <laughs> to, to, you know, to go on the, to tell the story? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's, it's really interesting, right? Cause I know that the idea of a party is really central to a lot of role-playing, especially sure. like uh, what we might think of as team-oriented role-playing, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the team, the superhero team, there's the yeah. D&D party. So mm-hmm. then people are always like, don't split the party. Like we need to all stay together and like make sure we're here in case the GM springs something on us. Mm-hmm. So it's really different to think about a game like Urban Shadows or Cartel, mm-hmm. which is my Mexican narco fiction game, um, mm-hmm. in which the characters are never on a team. Mm-hmm. They maybe have temporary alliances, but they're, it's like instead think about like one of your favorite TV shows Mm-hmm. In which it's an ensemble cast, right? And right. if you think about Lost or The Wire or, mm-hmm. you know, Breaking Bad, where the characters are, we know who the central characters are. There's no dispute mm-hmm. that Walter White and Jesse are like the central characters of Breaking Bad. Cool. Mm-hmm. We know them. We know that Skylar and, and her sister are going to be central characters. But what we don't know, and this is why we tune in week after week, is what they're going to do to each other. Like, mm-hmm. not in like a do they murder each other way, although it, it may. <laughs> It maybe. could get there. Maybe, maybe. Right? It could get there. But like, but like we know that your vampire killed my sister, but we have to work together right now because we're both being hunted by the vampire prince who decided that, to declare a death sentence on both of us. So we mm-hmm. know that we're like, we have to work together a little bit, but also like maybe I could just betray you and take you to the vampire prince and see what happened. And so a lot of Urban Shadows is built to give people the opportunity to be their characters Mm-hmm. in conflict and in concert with other characters not as a party but as an ensemble does that make sense yeah definitely so what what kind of stories are, are, are you telling then like do, are there adventures or are there kind of yeah what do you get when you're playing it for the first yeah, like, time what, yeah. what happens yeah what do you do in this game yeah no i yeah. i feel like i joke because another game we published called pasión de las pasiones by Brandon mm-hmm. Leon Gambetta is a game about playing telenovelas, right? So you play, Love you, it, you yeah. get to, yeah, right, exactly. It's adorable, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like we were talking one day and we we're both agreeing, like, it is so hard to tell people what you do in a game that's not about accomplishing anything. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do in a telenovela? What, what, what yeah. do you do? It's like, well, we fight with each other, but like that, that's an oversimplification, right? Sure. Yeah. It's instead like we bring the city to life, right? In mm-hmm. urban shadows, we see your different perspectives. And then the GM's job is to kind of bring those perspectives into conflict in interesting ways mm-hmm. and to give the players something to do that that challenges them, that constantly yeah. throws curveballs at them. Um, and you're like, well, why would that be fun? Like, why would I, why would I enjoy the GM like constantly messing with me? Right. But the answer is because the GM is not an antagonist to you. The mm-hmm. GM is your biggest fan. They are mm-hmm. your number one. They want to see your character be as awesome as that character can be. And a big mm-hmm. part of making your character and a lot of the tools that we give players when they make a character is actually rooted in giving you something to do not not mm-hmm. not like in the sense of keeping you busy but like sure. writing stuff into your playbook that is actually interesting so for the imp mm-hmm. for example the imp has a business to run but they also have these schemes they're pulling these ways they're mm-hmm. trying to get ahead and so their schemes are always like blowing up on them or like they get some opportunity to like pursue something and so the gm's like hey that guy you were looking for to to get you mm-hmm. that diamond you need for this ritual like he's here in the bar and so we see where that takes us but above all i think it's playing to find out what happens meaning mm-hmm. that we don't have an adventure or a script but instead the entire game kind of unspools from the character's choices. Um, okay. And that's it's really hard to describe because it's sort of like yeah. saying, this adventure is about whether you all, it's not like, what's a typical D in the adventure? You they either decide dragon. to, yeah, like you either decide to kill the <laughs> dragon or let the townspeople starve and die. And it's like, well, I guess I'm going to kill the dragon. Like there's yeah. no, it's not really a choice, right? Mm-hmm. But the real choice here is like, hey, werewolf, when you get increasingly better offers to turn on this empire that you don't like to begin with. Are you willing to do it? And then I, mm-hmm. as the GM, know that whatever you choose, I'm going to follow it. It's going to go somewhere mm-hmm. interesting, even up to the point that a character dies, right? And that you have to make a new character. But but like the death itself will be a memorable, amazing part of our story. Cool. So it, it's so much about, like you say, creating a living world where there's stuff happening and right. just offering opportunities to the players for them to yes. do stuff with it. Um, yeah. So I think you you mentioned, you mentioned uh, there's tools for generating your city at the beginning of the play. So and is that new for the second edition or is that been expanded a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first edition, you know, we really use a lot of tools. At that point, like Apocalypse World was only like five years old, right? And we really yeah. mimicked a lot of what was happening in Apocalypse World proper, which is sort of the mm-hmm. Mad Max role-playing game. Like mm-hmm. you play weirdos who live in this post-apocalyptic hellscape and, and like, you know, you're, you're the gun, the gunslinger or the, the battle babe or the mm-hmm. pointer, like you're weird and sexy and cool. And they have a lot of like, unsurprisingly apocalyptic kind of stories, like where, sure. you know, like Max takes these five women away and the entirety of the Australian desert is trying to kill him, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so the problem with this in urban shadows is that it resulted in a lot of like, this vampire is going to destroy the city. And then next week it would be like, this fairy is going to destroy the city. Right. It was, it was not really rooted in the day to day of how cities actually work. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we've done instead is built a system that allows the GM to have some lonely fun and to actually sort of what we call like to claim responsibility. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. like, like to, to give the, the game itself, the dice, the game, the engine, the choice, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, in a, a session I was running, the Oracle, uh, who has a benefactor, every Oracle has a benefactor, uh, played by my friend Kate, who's one of our staff members. Um, mm-hmm. She was playing uh, the Oracle married to this, like, fairy king. 
right? So she's this, she's this human woman. She's married to this fairy king. He's like, they're really in love. Like, no, like, like really love each other. But he's kind of this tragic, noble, like beauty and the beast kind of figure, right? Okay, right, yeah. And so, like, he ended up going to war with these demons. And I was like, well, cool. Yeah, like, Resplendent, her husband, like, he's got a lot of resources. Like, he'll totally win this war against these demons. And so I go to the mechanics and I make some rolls. And he just loses and loses and loses mm-hmm. and loses. And so when I come back, I'm like, as the GM, like, I would never have picked this. I would never do it. But it was so amazing to have Resplendent, like, come into her room and be like, I've lost everything, my queen. Like, what do I do? What's next? Like, what? I, I only have so few options. And her knowing the future that if Resplendent ever faces the demons that are attacking him himself, he'll die. And she's, like, trying to persuade him not to do it because she could see the yeah. future. But he feels like he's trapped. Right. And so like, this is one of those mm-hmm. moments that like, so good, but I never, I never would have done it because it just yeah. seems mean, but that's what the dice said. And so we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm playing to find out what happens too. And that's my mm-hmm. favorite part about running the game. And I hope you, I hope you're getting that from running the games you're running is like this yeah. sense of like, I don't plan this shit. Like I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like planning out every beat. I'm right here with mm-hmm. you trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on as it happens. Amazing. Um, so we, we, I mean, we had somebody. So I put up this this image that you've got here for for Urban Shadow. So if people are listening and they're like, "Yeah, I I, I want to get on the second edition," um, the backer kit is uh for kind of pre orders is is still open now. Um, and we've had someone in the chat ask like, "How longer? How much longer is, is this deal available?" Because you've got a deal for like seventy four dollars. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it was really awesome. I, 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 the project has been funded for a while, and and some mm-hmm. of our delays have been because like this is my project, and I'm also the CEO here. And so, like mm-hmm. during COVID, I had to like cover for people and this and that. And I actually got oh, COVID. Sure last oh, month and like had like a month or two out i'm okay everything's okay but okay, uh, we're yeah. we're often really slow um and so mm-hmm. we're, we're holding it open until we basically go to print so if you i think mm-hmm. it's probably going to happen in the next couple months some of it okay. depends on on finalizing some things like some art um but we have been at this for a while and we're, we're mm-hmm. almost done um but i i thought it was fun while we're here to say like no like you can actually like there's still time. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to join in, great. Our backers were extremely awesome and they've been extremely patient mm-hmm. and we've been able to do some really cool stuff. Like we have some special urban shadows dice. We have a cute little mm-hmm. dice set with the, like uh, the cityscape. Mm-hmm. We're doing this yeah. really cool GM screen. Cause I hate printing all the GM materials every time we're on the game. So I just have it mm-hmm. on my screen. Um, and like, we're really, really excited about urban shadows second edition. Like it's, it's yeah. in many ways it's felt like coming home because it was my first, real game before that mm-hmm. we did like cool little indie six by nine books or whatever but yeah. like this was the first time like i actually got really really heavy into game design and it's really cool to come back to it really excited to share it with everybody as soon as it's done amazing i know a lot of people are excited to to, to get this on which is why people asked me to have you on to come and talk about it That's awesome. um, yeah we've talked a lot about kind of the new things in, in second edition are there any other kind of uh things you want to brag about or share about the second edition that we kind of haven't gone through yet yeah yeah so i think one of the best parts for me is like you know we promised these two new playbooks and i was like yeah and we'll do the other playbooks too like mm-hmm. totally but like we've ended up rewriting like half of them right because oh, i think i think like we looked at some of them like the specter for example we we're playing a mm-hmm. ghost and we we're like okay cool yeah you're like you're a ghost and that's fine but like wait a second like these other playbooks are so rich now like what am i doing with the ghost so one of the very last changes we made before we kind of locked the mechanics and got down to like layout and writing was we mm-hmm. actually gave the ghost like 
the ghost like had anchors sometimes, but all the time we're like, Mm -hmm. every ghost has anchors. That's why you're here. Like you're anchored to this reality. And Mm -hmm. we gave them this whole system of trauma. We're like, when the ghost, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then we gave the ghost trauma and like, okay, I'm on board. So the ghost has this trauma track, right? And when the the trauma track fills, like when you take damage or when something horrific happens Mm -hmm. and when it fills, you have to do one of two things. You need to either commune with one of your anchors and like reconnect with who you are as a person, or you need to lash out with horrific violence. So, so like now the ghost, instead of being just like, I'm a ghost, I'm going to go around being a ghost. That's cool. Which means that the player may or may not bring something interesting to it. We now Mm -hmm. have ghosts who are like, you're this weird fragmented person, right? Because you died. Like you're dead. You're not human anymore. You're like something other. And you have this cycle where like you're incredible. Like you, it's almost impossible to kill the ghost because they're already dead. Yeah, like what yeah. are you going to do to them, right? Like a wizard yeah. could do it, but like a regular guy shooting a gun at you does nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does inflict trauma on you to have people do violence. And so mm-hmm. we have these ghosts now that are on this cycle of like desperately trying to resolve whatever's going on in their lives to investigate their past and like put it to yeah. rest because they're trapped and they actually feel trapped. And mm-hmm. as you resolve those anchors, you mark them down as either resolved or destroyed slash corrupted. Mm-hmm. And when you finish the last one, you get to choose what happens to the city based on how many you resolved and how mm-hmm. many were corrupted and destroyed. And for every one you choose, like something good happens or something bad happens. And so like you as the ghost are really rooted to this city in a way that's really mm-hmm. exciting and new. That's really awesome. I love that for the ghost. Um, are there any other bits and pieces you want to brag about before we before we head off today? Yeah. Anything else for the second edition? Sure. The last thing, the last thing I will say is like, I feel eternally lucky and uh, privileged to work with Marissa Kelly and Miguel mm-hmm. Angel Espinosa who do the art direction and layout for the book. Like mm-hmm. you could see from just like the lab piece we had there, like the layout is amazing. Like it, it yeah. has this sort of like, like it has this sort of neon feel, like it feels like mm. a city. But one yeah. of the things that's actually gotten harder about doing urban fantasy is I live in a cyberpunk dystopia. So how do I write <laughs> this and have it not be Shadowrun? Like what makes this not Shadowrun, right? Like yeah, I played yeah. Shadowrun as a kid. What mm-hmm. what makes this still urban fantasy? And mm-hmm. what I love about what Miguel and, and Marissa are doing is they always make it feel gritty and grounded and real, but still very modern. And I think it's a real yeah. challenge with urban fantasy right now. Yeah, you have a world nice. where like you can have AI bots that chat with you on your phone to have it still mm-hmm. feel meaningful that there's a fairy that lives down the road, right? Like how do we have both of those things happening at the same time? Awesome. And we just had a quick question. Someone asking, what's the difference between the regular and the deluxe core uh, for the game? Yeah, yeah. The regular book has the awesome cover that you saw there. The deluxe mm-hmm. edition has um, some special black light ink that we're doing some cool things with for the Ooh. faction symbols and stuff. So it's like faux leather bound. The interiors are the same. Like we always want people to have the access mm-hmm. to the same stuff inside. But yeah. the deluxe the deluxe cover has some special cool features for the cover itself. A cool collectible version if uh, if you're stuck yeah. that sort of thing like I am exactly. like you can see some of the things yeah. behind me it's like oh I want the shiny one uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great thanks for yeah. asking me that um so one of the questions I ask everybody uh before they go is I ask them if they have any recommendations for any other tabletop role-playing games and the rules are it can't be D&D because yeah. we're not D&D and right, right. it can't be a game that, that you've made because we've just spent you know 
the last you know hour or so talking about your game. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So I realized, like, I actually, I was, gonna, I was going to say the name of this game, and I was like, oh wait, I actually have it here. I'm embarrassed because it's still in the shrink wrap, but like, there's a part of me that like doesn't want to open it because okay. it's very special to me. But this is a copy of Void Heart Symphony, which is oh, okay. this amazing Powered by the Apocalypse game mm -hmm. um, from UFO Press, who I believe have have merged fully with Rowan Rook and Deckard. Um, okay. And Mina, who's the author of this, is for me like one of the most amazing PBTA designers. She's incredible. She's super, super interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Always has really different, exciting ideas. So in this game, which is another urban fantasy game, so if you're into urban mm -hmm. fantasy, this is another one to check out. Yeah. You play like ordinary people who have access to this like other world called the castle, which okay. sort of is warped and shaped by powerful like people like bullies monsters predators so like if there is say like a priest who's like abusing his power and like hurting children or something right mm -hmm. like when you go into the castle like dark soul style he's like actually like a giant monster right mm -hmm. and so you have this one half of the game that's sort of about like being an ordinary person with bills to pay and like and yeah. like then you flip over to the castle side your playbook totally changes the mechanics totally change and now you're a superhero on this other side, but that doesn't help you pay the bills on the regular sure. ordinary people side. So yeah, yeah. for me, this is like, this is one I have multiple copies. This is the one I keep a shrink wrap. Um, I think it's Pretty an well. incredibly <laughs> cool game that if you haven't mm -hmm. heard of, you should totally check out. That's perfect. That's a great recommendation. Thank you so much. Um, and Mark, thank you so much for coming on and and talking to us all about Urban Shadows. We're all you know really excited for it to be coming out uh, later this year. Um, where's the best place for people to stay in touch with you if they want to get kind of updates on a new stuff you're you know that's going on yeah. with either Urban, uh, either you know with this game or with other games you do, of course. Yeah, yeah. We we mostly you know send out notifications on our newsletter. So if you sign up at bagpydaygames.com for the mm -hmm. newsletter, you'll stay up with everything that we're doing. You can also follow me on Twitter at Trumons, T-R-U-M-O-N-Z. Uh, okay. And I'm available there, although I don't post very much. I'm mostly busy making stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Mag Magpie Games is usually the best place to get us. Um, but yeah, yeah, like we, we send out a weekly newsletter or monthly newsletter mm -hmm. trying to tell people what we're up to. Um, and like you said, I'm really excited for Urban Shadows to come out this year. I will, it, will, it will happen. Feel like a wizard like i'm gonna i will finish this ritual it will occur the book will be summoned amazing and um, we'll be very excited to see it as well and if you are listening again you can back for the pre-order now uh, and the link will be in the show notes if you're listening and it'll be in the chat if you're watching live as well um so on that note i will say goodbye mark thank you so much uh for coming on um to everyone watching and listening thank you so much next week for not dnd it's actually our one year anniversary so we are now oh. one year old um uh so next week if you tune in to listen i'll be doing some flashbacks to some guests and some different things we'll be having to celebrate our one year anniversary of not dungeons and dragons and celebrating indie tabletop role playing games um and that's all for this week mark thanks once again and thanks for listening everybody bye thanks. bye